Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Um, do you know what, actually, before I get into the preach as well, my son went to my eight-year-old son, actually, I overheard him having a conversation with someone while we were camping, and he said, you are not very good for your health. <laughs> to someone... You are not very good for your health. I thought, wow, that's very insightful. Sometimes we are our own greatest health risk, right? Our own choices. Well, like, man, I don't need any help here. I am a health risk to myself. But can I tell you that by you making a choice to be here tonight, you made a good health decision. Come on. This is good for your spiritual health. There's one thing to get spirit physically ripped, but Jesus wants you to get spiritually ripped. And so I just want to encourage us when it comes to this part of any service, the preaching of the Word of God, I just want to briefly mention a few things, and that is to really encourage you to come ready for God to change you. Because, the, get this, the Word of God has supernatural power to change your life from the inside, like nothing else on all the earth. So I want to encourage you to come hungry, to come ready. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is living... And it is active. It's not static. It's organic. And so the Word of God is actually living and active. It relates with you. It seeks out. It, it, it's actually got a relationship with you. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of, mar- of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. You know what? I don't even know what I think sometimes. I don't know who I am, where I'm going, what I think. What do you think about this? I don't even know what my conviction is. But do you know what? The Word of God is so sharp. It is so, it is so important and powerful that it divides, it, it cuts through, and it changes and transforms us from the inside out. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. Everyone say profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. You know, the Word of God trains us. Elsewhere, it says that the Word of God actually equips us. It actually equips us for every good work. And so I just want to encourage us, when we come to church, it's actually come, yes, listen to someone speak, but really what we're doing is positioning our hearts, saying, God, change me, transform me by the power of your living Word of God. And when you open up your heart, Man, you will be transformed on the inside. And so God, I say, would you change us, Lord? We come to you tonight hungry, Lord. We're hungry for a word from God that can transform us from the inside out. God, and we open up our hearts. Even those of us here that are here for the first time, God, we're like, come on, speak to us tonight. Change us from the inside out, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, second week of Flourish. Did you know that God's intent is for you to flourish in all areas of your life? By the way, I've got to welcome, say hello to my cousin, Alicia. Sorry, I'm just going to embarrass you. Hi, Alicia. And then Vicky Small at the back there. Give it up for Vicky Small, a friend of mine from school, up from Albany. Awesome. And her family. Love you guys. Awesome. Great. So God's intent for you is for you to flourish. Just like my desire for my kids is for them to flourish. God wants you to flourish. And and your one move, one move, if you do this one move for the rest of your life, this will cause you to flourish all the days of your life. This one move. There's many ways you can flourish, but this is your one move. Psalm 92 verse 13. This is the key scripture for this series. 
those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Those who put their roots deep down to the house of God, which is the church, there's a worldwide family we belong to, but then there's many families within the greater family. But as you put your roots deep down into the house of God, you're going to flourish. Um, if you zoom out wider to verses at the other, other end of this verse, it says, you will be fruitful even in old age, in every season, in and out of every season, the unpredictable nature of life, you're going to flourish. This is your one move. However, assuming, right, that you are planted, and can I encourage you, if you haven't yet made that decision, can I encourage you, whether you're going back home from, from where you're from, get planted in your local church, whether you're here, come on, this is the time to hammer that tent pig in deep and get planted in this church, you're going to flourish. But assuming you've made that decision, what this series now is about is going, okay, well, what is the nature of the soil that I'm currently planted in? What are the characteristics of the soil of this church, Ocean's Church? And this is what this series is about. And over three weeks, we're looking at three key statements that describe the nature of the soil of this church, who we are, our values, who you are. You know, different churches have different soil types, if you like, and they produce different foliage or different um, disciples or followers of Jesus, but the same core elements of sun and water and rain. But what is the nature of this soil? And so like Jaden mentioned, the first statement we looked at last week, number one is we are family. Why don't you sing it? We are family. Awesome. So we are family. Now, the second statement will come in a moment, but I want to begin by sharing a bit of a story. Um, and it's a true life story. When I went camping to Bremer Bay at the beginning of the year with our family. Anyone been to Bremer Bay camping? Beautiful. I've forgotten how spectacular those beaches were. So I packed the kids into the car. We had friends and family there. I brought along my bike along as well, riding around with the kids. I felt like a little kid riding around, you know, gear one around the caravan park. Legs spinning really fast. It was fun. But there was a pool there at the caravan park as well. And I remember riding up to this pool and some of our kids were in the water and some other kids and some families and parents are hanging around. And I remember just taking it in just for a moment. And I just took it in, just observing all these kids and, you know, the parents in the distance are sort of just on their phone um, or talking to each other in the background. I was like, I watched these four little kids sidle up to the side of the pool, right? And there are three girls and a younger brother or younger boy. The girls might have been like seven, six, and five years old, but the boy was like one and a half or two years old. And they have a bit of a group huddle, and they decide that they're going to jump into the pool together. And so they all hold hands, and they get right to the edge of the pool. They're like, one, two, three. And I'm like, okay. Obviously, they'd have had very, you know, lots of lessons, and they started swimming out of the womb, and they know exactly what they're doing. But they just jumped in the pool and the girls are squealing with delight and laughter and ah, there's froth everywhere and they're splashing about and barely like doggy paddling to the side of the pool. But this one younger kid, he just sinks like a rock into the water. He's, like, <laughs> He's just going with the crowd. Isn't that a bit of a picture of our lives sometimes? And so he just, he just drops like, and I'm, I'm like there just for a moment, just pausing just for a moment. And then I'm like, nah half a second, and I just jumped straight into the pool, jeans, shirt, everything on. I didn't have my phone, thank God, even if you did, whatever, still worth it. I jumped in and like plucked this guy out of the water, lifted him, he's like, <laughs> coughing and splattering everywhere, and his mum comes over, she's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, thank you so much. And I'm like, no worries, oh good. So this is the point, and this introduces 
the second thing. The second key that we want to have is number one, we are family. Number two, we are focused. It is so important for us to be focused on what truly matters. Can I hear an amen? If you're at the pool with your kids, you want to be focused on your kids. When you walk into any, any pool, you see plastered all over the posters, focus on the phone. I mean, on your kids, not the phone, not the other way around. Um, I'm just going to lower, can I have this lowered slightly? I feel like I'm just like, have this barrier between us. Thank you so much. Um, and so, thanks, awesome. We are focused. We need to be focused, don't we, on what truly matters. When you're driving, we need to be focused. By the way, there's no judgment here whatsoever. Um, there's a time where Jess and I lost focus on our oldest son, Oscar, in Margaret River. We lost him. We're running up and down the street and in around. He turns, up, he, turns out he made his way up the stairs to the office of the surf shop that we were in. And so we lost him. So there's zero judgment for us. But that is the main thing. And so... What God wants us to be as a church, as a family, is to be laser focused on what matters the most. See, there's all kinds of things that can vie for our focus, that can vie for our attention. There's an unlimited array of messages and things and people with their priorities wanting you to make their priority your priority. But actually what we need to consider is, God, what is your focus What are you focused on, God? What matters most to you? And as a follower of Jesus, that's got to matter most to me. What is Jesus focused on? And so we're actually going to go and read the same chapter as we read last Sunday, just a different portion of it. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 15 and drawing from Matthew 18, which refers to the same account. And this is the context of Jesus. Jesus has a crowd of people surrounding him. And this was the observation about this crowd, reading from verse 1. It says that tax collectors, who were like basically people that were thieving their own people, the Jews, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I think that is incredible. That they actually were drawn to hear Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. My goodness. So the Pharisees were like the religious elite of the day. They had their lives apparently all together. They ticked all the boxes. But Jesus observed about them. They looked all nice and shiny on the outside, but on the inside they were dead as bones, as corpses. Jesus just told it as it was. And so Jesus wanted to make this point to this religious elite, you aren't as great as you think you are. And so then Jesus told them this story. And this is the story. He said, so if a man has a hundred sheep, And one of them, only one of them, wanders away and gets lost. What will he do? Just count my losses? No. When he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, then he'll joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together all his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. And get this, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. And Jesus says, in the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Get this, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God over 99 others who are righteous and haven't 
straight away. In other words, words what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, these religious elite and these people. He's saying, hey, I love you guys. I appreciate that you're here. For those that are surrendered to me, excellent. You matter to me. It's not that you don't matter to me. You do. But my heart is with the one that isn't here. If you want to know where my focus is, my focus, my attention is with the one that isn't here. You know that moment that you have when you're out for dinner or you're at a gathering and you really hope maybe, you know, with the person that you're now married to or you're interested in, you rock up, you're happy everyone else is there, but you wish that they were there. It's like God, his heart was was with the people that were present, but he longed, his heart, his focus was with the one lost sheep that wasn't there. And so Jesus wants us also to share his heart with him and actually have our heart that longs for the lost to come and be reconciled with God. And so we're here. Thank God that we're here, right? That is awesome. Just give each other like a high five. Well done for making it. Very good. It's so good to see you here. Excellent job. Very, very good. All right. Hey, you're all here. It's fantastic. But do you know what? As much as God loves you and you are here and it's so good, do you know where Jesus' focus right now is? With your friends who don't know him with the family members, with those on your sporting teams, with the person that you meet at the cafe, with those that are at your school, if you go to school, with those that you visit at the shops, in the pubs, in the nightclubs, your work colleagues, those who live on your street, those neighbours, the people that we drive past on on the way here. His heart is here, but his focus is with the one lost sheep who isn't here. Jesus loves us, come on, but his heart are with those that aren't here. See, remember, there is more joy. It's not that there's not joy. There is great joy that you are here, that you know God. God is so happy. But there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And so how do we bring joy to God? How do we bring joy to God? It's actually when we go after the one. We go, God, where is your focus? And we actually align our heart. And we each as individuals go, God, I want to align my heart with your focus and go after the one. And tonight, Jesus is inviting us. Like, hey, we are family, right? We are family. We are family. If you've been here for one week, you're just as much a part of the family as those that have been here for five years. Jake, who is on the drums, do you know that he has helped? He's been here from like 12.30 p.m., to 7 p.m., six and a half hours every single Sunday for 260 weeks minus 10. 250 weeks in a row. Give it up for Jake. Absolute legend. So, like, we are family, right? You are just as much of a part of the family as Jake. You know, these young kids, although they've been in the family a short time, they're no less a part of the family who've been dedicated today. You belong here. So, we are family, right? And what is our focus together as a family? A focus is after the one, the one lost sheep that is straight away. But get this, what I love about Jesus, what I love about God is reflected in this story that Jesus shared was this. We're going to put it up on the screen behind us where it says, won't he, won't this shepherd, won't Jesus, won't we search for the one that is lost until he finds it? He doesn't give up and do a bit of a husband look. You know the husband looks, wives, you know the husband look? Open the door, look, no, it's not there. <laughs> it's like they're going, <laughs> the wife has got the finding anointing. Amen. Awesome. You can find anything. It's nowhere. Just one look and she's got it. It's awesome. 
And so that's why I decided to set that whole thing and just go straight and ask Jess, hey, Jess, where is this? And I just join with the kids, Mom. <laughs> and so the, the, the shepherd in this story went searching until he found it. He left the comfort of his home. He left the fireplace. He left the nice, warm comforts. Netflix, TV series, convenience, the microwave, the fire, whatever it is. And he went out into the dark, into the rain. He kept on going until he found it. He kept on searching, kept on going until he found it. And aren't you glad that Jesus never gave up on you? Aren't you glad that Jesus kept on seeking you until he knew where you were, but until you actually responded to him? Can I tell you, tonight, Jesus is seeking you, you are here by no accident, whatever. Maybe someone bribed you to come along. <laughs> maybe someone brought you along. Maybe you've been invited. Maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe God has just drawn you. I don't know why I'm here and just here. Do you know what? That is God seeking you. He's saying, would you come home to me tonight? You've had enough out on your own in the dark. You've had enough in the, in the weather. Come home to me. Come home to the Father and let, hey, come on, let me, let me lead you. Let me care for you. Let me bind up your wounds. Let me lead you through this life. It's no longer, you're not created to do it alone. You're created to do it in relationship with me. And at the end of the service, we're going to lead you in a simple prayer where you can say, God, I'm coming home. I'm coming home tonight. No longer fighting against you. Won't he search for the one lost until he found it. You know, Jaden and I went over to the Gold Coast for a conference about a year or more ago. And as we were leaving the hotel lobby, we came across a mum who was completely frazzled. She was just disorientated. She'd lost her daughter. And she couldn't find her daughter anyway. And straight away, your mind just goes to the worst case scenario. And you're like, we... It's like, <laughs> game face. Game face on. We are going to find this girl. So like, quick huddle, all right, I'll catch the elevator right to the top. And then someone starts from the bottom and each floor, we're going to make our way down looking at this girl. And so I think her name might have been Elisa or something. And so on the top floor, right away, running down to the car, Elisa, Elisa, hearing all the rooms, any sounds. And then get all the corridors on that top floor. Then you catch this, then you walk down the stairs to the next one and you go to the next level and you're shouting at her name. And we kept on looking, kept on seeking until finally, thank you, God, she was found. She was safe. Thank you, Jesus. And she was restored to her very relieved mum. Oh, my goodness. And the, the principle remains, Jesus relentlessly, he never gives up. It's never inconvenient. Jesus doesn't care how inconvenient it is. In fact, God so sought you and I that he left the comforts of heaven. He became human like you and I. He so sought you and I that he died that physical, painful, excruciating death on the cross to pay for our sin where God became human, was crucified by the very ones he created. Jesus went from the greatest heights to the lowest of lows in order to pursue and hunt you and I down. And now it's left to us to respond to his grace and kindness. And I think, man, what can we learn from Jesus? What, what, what relentless heart could we have to go to the lowest, to have no no-go zones because we will leave any comfort, amount of comfort behind to seek the lost, to seek the one lost sheep in our relentless pursuit for God. See, God's desire is that not one should perish. Not one. Imagine if I was on the side of the pool and the little boy jumps in and I'm like, oh, oh, ah. Oh. Sad, tragic, yes, painful, oof, great loss, yes, yes. 
but the odds are pretty good. One out of about 15 kids, not bad. Painful, excruciating, yes, but one to 15 is okay. Like right now you're judging me. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? Oh, no. This is one beautiful, precious life to a loving mum. But for us, sometimes we can be so, I don't know, for me, dismissive. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, yeah. Sad, yes. Mm, gave it a go for a while. Ah, uh, oh, well. Okay. But actually, God is never, he's relentlessly pursuing people until he found them. And I just love it how in this story, he doesn't say, how do you know what, there, there were 100 sheep and 10 wandered off. Actually, one wandered off. That shepherd could have gone, what, out of 100? Pretty good. I'm not leaving these 99. But no, he made it very clear in the story, one, because every one matters to God. You matter so much to God. Everyone, every person that you know matters to God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to be really politically incorrect and mention something called hell. Now, there's, very, there's a lot of theological debates about what hell is, but what Jesus made it very clear is that hell is a very real place, number one. Number two, it is not God's desire that even one should go there. To the point where Jesus died for you and I to make a way so that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus will not perish, but come on, be given the gift of eternal life. And this is God's desire for you and I. We're not saving people to bring them to church or give them their best life now. Or You know what? In fact, it's harder to follow Jesus sometimes. You might have more suffering, more pain. In certain parts of the world, you're killed following Jesus. Hey, follow Jesus and have an amazing life. But what God promises you is that he will walk with you through the heights, through the valleys, until that day when we do see him face to face. So I just wanted to pause around this moment to bring a sobriety about the fact that imagine if I had have just been passive about this kid drowning in the pool. That was a sober moment. But we're talking about something even more severe than death. It has been eternally separated from God. And God doesn't want you and I to be passively standing around on the edge of pools, not wanting to leave up. Because get this, it will cost us something. It is going to cost us. You know, for me, standing on the edge of the pool, I know that every single one of you, absolutely no doubt, would have done exactly the same thing. But it cost me. It cost me getting my jeans wet. It cost me getting my shirt wet. It cost me potentially my phone. I don't know, but it, but it was worth it. And I know that every one of you would have done it. But what it does is, is, is if we want to partner with God and go after the lost, we've got to be willing to leave the shores of comfort, to leave the shores of prioritizing my comfort and my life and my plan and what I'm... Actually, God is calling us to leave the shores of our comfort, to be willing to jump in after the lost, to jump into the pool instead of hanging out on, on the edge of the pool. And so Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 37, he said this, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you're going to save it. In other words, if you try to hang on to your life and your comfort, do you know what? That's all you're going to have to show at the end of your life and that'll be lost. But if you lose your life, if you lose your comforts, if you're willing to go, say, God, no matter what it takes, God, no matter what it takes, 
I want to leave it all behind to jump in the pool and to jump in and run after the lost. He says, that is where true life is. And he says, what do you gain? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What do you benefit if you get a million followers of Instagram? What do you benefit if you get 10 investment properties? What do you benefit if you climb the rungs of the corporate ladder? What do you benefit if you're the top dog? What, if you, what, do, you, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? What do you benefit if you've got a stadium full of 100,000 fans? Pretty good gig, Taylor Swift. I mentioned it in the sermon. <clears throat> come on, come on, hands up for Taylor Swift. Anyone Taylor Swift fans? There we go. All right. I've got to say, I've been a bit more interested lately. <laughs> What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? This is the point. Is anything, anything worth more than your soul? Nothing is more worth than your soul. In fact, Jesus gave up his life for you. And he invites us. Do you know what? There's nothing more intoxicating or fulfilling than saving a life. Not only physical life but actually seeing other people come to God. There's, there's nothing more fulfilling than leaving the shores of our discomfort because we know that we are not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for those that believe. It is, it is power. Hey, come on. It's time for us to leave the shores of our shame and actually be bold and confident. Yes. Not silly, not stupid, but bold and unashamed in our approach to God. And so we want to be laser-focused as a church. We want to say, God, we are family. We love you. We love each other. But do you know what our shared conviction is? This isn't a country club where we get to just, hey, you know, hey, there's a lot. you'll find a lot of encouragement here. You might even find your spouse. We like to say, oceans, there's many fish in the sea. <clears throat> in fact, you probably will. <laughs> but but we're, we are family, but we are laser-focused on what truly, ultimately matters. And can I encourage you not to let the good get in the way of God's best? Don't let the great in your life get in the way of God's greatest. See, this is a progression that happens, right? Often when, when, when you follow God and you put Him first, you will be blessed. When you're planted in the church, you will be blessed. It's God's Word. It's true. There might be a lag time between when you start applying the principle and you start seeing the benefits of it, don't give up too early. But you, you mark my words, you will flourish and be blessed in your life. But what we can, we can do sometimes, we can go, God, I'm in desperate situation. I mean, and, and a lot of us have been desperate, but we call upon God and God's faithful every time He'll answer you. Maybe not the way you prefer, but He'll answer you in the best way that is for you. And we start to be blessed by God. Thank you, God. And then what we do is we take the blessing and we, thanks God, and we take it over here. All right. And God is left behind. But he's saying, would you trust the blessing? Don't allow the gift to actually block God's purpose for your life. Often what we do is we receive the blessing, but actually then we want to hold on to it. But God's saying, would you surrender it to me? Don't let the blessing be a blockage to your availability, to how God wants to use you. Receive the blessing, but never let the blessing become an idol in your life before God. So when God wants to take the blessing from you, because He actually often wants to give you an even greater blessing, or because a blessing has become a hindrance in your life to the purposes that God has for you, God is saying, come on, receive the blessing of God, but actually put me as number one in your life. 
And so that's what we want to do as a family. Say, God, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I want to make myself available to you. And so one very, very practical way that we're going to be doing before we close <clears throat> as a church is we know that this is impossible to do on our own, right? When we say, God, we make ourselves available, we know it's impossible for us to do this on our own. We need the power of God at work in our life. And so we believe in the power of prayer. So actually in the three weeks in the lead up to Easter, we're going to be having 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. It's going from the 4th to the 24th. 4th to the 24th. Everyone say 4th to the 24th. And so three weeks of prayer and fasting. I'm starting not tomorrow, but the following Monday. We want to invite you to join, whether it's the Daniel fast, full fast, partial fast, whatever fast, Google whatever fast you want. But, but the heart disposition is saying, God, we need you. We want to see your power. And when you combine prayer and fasting together, the fasting turbocharges your prayer and you see breakthrough in your life, breakthrough the people in the people's lives that God has placed on your heart because we are just kind of serious about this. We've got a lot of fun, but, but, but we, we really want to do this. And so we're going to be doing three weeks of prayer and fasting. You can join us online. We're going to be having an online prayer through our power. But specifically, I wanted to mention the four Tuesday mornings in the letter to Easter going to be gathering together Tuesday mornings, 6 to 7 a.m., praying at Heart for the City Church. We'll send out some details. We'll post it up online. I just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up that we want to be intentional about, about prayer because Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. and We cannot do this without God. And so, so the question that I want to leave you with tonight is what distractions have you fallen for that have robbed you of your focus, of what truly matters to God? And tonight, tonight, are you willing to say, God, I want to re-surrender these to you. It doesn't mean that He's going to take them. But what you do is you go, God, I'm no longer holding on to even the good things in my life with a closed hand, but I actually just surrender it. And do you know that you become more free when you have this disposition? It's not, God, I'm scared. Hey, do you know what? You're good. I'm surrendering every part of my life. God, I'll make myself available for you. Mostly He won't change anything. Maybe He will. But essentially what He wants is, is our hearts and our availability. And when we say, God, I'm available, then the Spirit of God has something to actually flow through. So could we just all stand up together in this moment? Actually, I'm sorry. Can just everyone sit down? There's one more thing I want to do. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. You're like, this reminds me of the other church I went to. Before I do, we've been talking a bit abstractly about other people, right? But I want to make this really real. And I haven't given anyone heads up about this, so just bear with me. What I'm going to do in a moment is I want to ask those that have actually given their life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've actually rededicated your life sometime from now all the way back to the beginning of 2023 last year. If you've actually given your life to Jesus for the first time or rededicated your life to Jesus last year, or any time this year up until now, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up because we want to celebrate you. And you, you are someone real that we love, that God has made a difference in. We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to celebrate you because you are the lost sheep that we're leaving everything behind. And so if that is you, can you please be bold and courageous? And right now, why don't you stand up to your feet? Come on, stand up to your feet. We want to celebrate you. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. How good. Awesome. Please remain standing. Stay where you are. That's it. Stay standing up. You know what? 
you represent, and we are so unbelievably grateful. Thank you for your boldness. I know it's a bit embarrassing, but we just want to honour you guys for responding to Father God, who's been chasing you. He loves you so much. And you represent the people that, that Jesus loves so much. And so now what I'd like all of us to do is to stand together and to join these guys. Because now together, those that have stood up for the first time, now you join us. You are one of the 99. And come on, together, we're a family. We're going after the one. We're going after the one. And so I just want to lead us in a prayer. We're going to, we're going to sing a song in a, in a moment that just says, come on, we're taking ground. I want to re-surrender my life. But hey, why don't you just close your eyes before God? Maybe you want to lift your hands to God in surrender in this moment. Father God, we make ourselves available to you. Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that you break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord. We just say yes, Lord God, to leaving the shorelines of comfort, Lord, and convenience, Lord. And we make ourselves available, God, at no matter what cost, Lord, to leave the shores, to jump in the pool, Lord God, to go after the one. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that even now you'd be placing people in our minds and in our hearts, Lord God, who you're calling us to, Lord God, in their shops, Lord, in our sporting teams, in our workplaces, God, in our families, Lord God. And we know, Lord God, that all things are possible with you, Jesus. You looked at the disciples and you said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.